Hello and welcome Behind the Marquee, the podcast where we talk about everything inside and outside the world of art house and independent cinema. My name is Nick Alderink. I am the programming and media coordinator at the Michigan State Theater, and I'm joined by two guests who work with me there. Please tell me who you are and what you do. Hi, my name is Tyler Walzak. I'm one of the house managers at the Michigan Theater. And my name is Nadim Persikoshamas, and I'm one of the house managers at the State Theater. Yes, thank you both for being here once again. Uh, today it is October, uh, so we're going to talk about Halloween movies. It doesn't feel like October, though. It's like 80 degrees outside. That's but... a balmy 80 degree October <laughs> yeah. day. You know, I kicked like seven leaves out of the way on my way here. So... <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, it is time to talk about our favorite spooky, spooktacular films. But that... this isn't the spooktacular, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, we have a lot that's coming up at the Michigan and state, so let's just get get those out of the way first, and then we'll we'll, we'll talk about other our our other favorite films. Uh, late night movies seem to be the seem to be people seem to be pretty excited about coming up. Uh, we're starting out with The Evil Dead, that is Friday, October twelfth at nine thirty p.m. What is your experience with this movie? I've never seen it. But I'm excited to see it for the first yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. I, I've seen Evil Dead 2 a couple more times, uh-huh. and it dragged me to hell. It's probably the okay. Raimi movie I've seen the most. But yeah. <laughs> yes, I was hoping to go to this because I don't really remember much of it, to be honest. Yeah, this is this is Sam Raimi uh, made in 1981. This is just a, a bloody... Slash. I want, what, is it a slasher? I don't even. I, what, it's not a slasher, but it's just a, a bloody monster flick. Yeah, I mean, and it, what it it's is. the Cabin in the Woods movie. Yes, yeah. besides the Cabin in the Woods, which I'm sure you'll get to in a second. But and it, uh, Evil Dead Two is a little bit more humorous. Right, That's the right, one where right, Ash right. gets the chainsaw arm. Yeah, yeah. And it's a little bit more tongue in cheek. But this is his. This is his 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 original brainchild. Is the, the the and it's the, the yeah yeah. It's said, a little more like. Balls to the wall. <laughs> yeah. I, don't know if I can say that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like brutal, kind of crazy horror, gory, mm-hmm. dark. And that's just yeah. They, and it's not campy the way that the second no, one is super, no, super campy. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's like you said, it's the original Cabin in the Woods movie. It's like a group of college students. They show up. They find it in this cabin in the woods to hang out and spend the night. And then they find this evil book that's inside the cabin. And when they read it. It unleashes a demon that possesses that pos- that yeah. begins to torment them. Mm-hmm. It's pretty entertaining. Did you see the, the the new one that came out a few years ago? I did. The remake. Yeah, yeah the remake. I didn't see that one okay. either. <laughs> yeah, it's it's about the same thing. It's it takes a li- it it's a little bit more serious, or it takes yeah, itself yeah, more yeah. serious, yeah. and then it really tries to be a bloody, gory horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um. In the same way that the first Evil Dead movie compared to the second Evil Dead movie, I would say that's accurate. Yeah, yeah. and they were tr- like they were trying to do some interesting stuff with like they were bringing like their kind of newly sober friend up there, and right. I feel like there was some kind of like weighty stuff going on, and uh-huh. then nothing ever kind of got the full treatment. Yeah, that it seemed like it was part. going to at the beginning. Yeah. So it's not a movie to see if you want character development. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, <laughs> more like character disembowelment. <laughs> yeah, ao. <laughs> And then uh, because because it's Sam Raimi, we get plenty of, of if it wasn't filmed in Michigan. I think it was filmed in Tennessee, but the characters are wearing Michigan State garb oh, throughout yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 
it's pretty pretty fun to look back on. And then the next day, Saturday, October 13th, we're playing Cabin in the Woods at midnight. The postmodern version of Evil Dead. Yes, and this mm-hmm. and this one is just it's the way that I like spoofs to to just. Cabin in the Woods is the way I like my my spoofs. I guess is what I I don't I don't know how else there's a better way to say that sentence. But it's really loving to the genre that it's making fun of is the point yeah. that I'm trying to trying to get at here. And it's it, it's both a good comedy and a good horror movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I know people who uh, actually think it's like really really scary and yeah. not funny. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but no, I agree. But I think that's like a sign of that it works. You know, that it yeah. works as a standalone horror movie. Although I view it more as just a, a comedy, but it's mm-hmm. so it's not like a scary movie three version of, mm-hmm. of that story. Right. I like the, the the very beginning of the movie where you're seeing uh, I don't want to give away too much of the plot, but you're seeing the the people that the brains of the operation of the movie. So again, it's it's uh it's about a bunch of college students. They they find a cabin in the woods, much like Evil Dead. But this one, they're being manipulated by a greater source is what the best way I can say that. There's a, a group of of uh, old white men that are basically controlling their every their their scenario and trying to. I don't remember what their motivation is to be honest with you. It's but, a it's a very sinister motivation. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty like apocalyptic-y, mm-hmm. giants coming, mm-hmm. fire and <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, it's it's real evil and not just like boring corporate yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. They're but using they like all that stuff in there. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. They, when you first see them, there's a giant whiteboard. <laughs> Uh, or a chalkboard that's behind him, and they're basically writing out all the different horror tropes that they're trying to use. Yeah. And it's a pretty, it's a very Easter egg filled movie. Yeah. yeah. It's a movie made for people who love horror movies. Yeah. Right. And I love some of my favorite parts are the little touches, like when it cuts to the scene in Japan that has like the little girl who's like, <laughs> the evil yeah. is defeated. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, it sneaks in things for all these different types of movies, even if that's all we're going to get of the massive kind of mm-hmm. J horror craze. You know, it's. It's still going to be in there to some degree. Right. It's a really smart movie. So, Nick, you intentionally scheduled these movies back to back because yeah. they deal with similar themes, right? Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. Was there like a – can you elaborate on that? Yeah, the, 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 there were a few different ways that I wanted to go here. Um, Evil Dead and Cabin in the Woods seemed obvious to me, but then I, I originally was going to do – uh, Evil Dead and then the Blair Witch Project. I've I just mm, okay. kind of finding this focus of – Horror in the forest sure. is really what I what I was going for, and then uh, weren't able, we weren't able to get uh, Blair Witch Project, but then uh, Cabin in the Woods felt obvious to me, and it just the uh, in the way that I, I was also because I, I got a lot of questions that, that I think a lot of people like Evil Dead Two more than the first Evil Dead. That seems to be a at least a sentiment with some people, and I had I've gotten a few questions like, why didn't you do Evil Dead Two? Mm-hmm. It's because Evil Dead Two, like I said, like we talked about, it is much more humorous. It is a bit more tongue in cheek, and probably it would make it that more like Cabin in the Woods. But to me, just going with the original Evil Dead just felt right to me for sure. some reason. Yeah, it's I, I think it was a good choice because if you have Cabin in the Woods and Evil Dead Two, they're both kind of silly yeah ish yeah and i like that evil dead one is a little more straightforward Mm -hmm. and it makes it so if you see both of them one after the other kevin in the woods kind of rhymes with evil dead in a very different way yeah that's a good point and then that that, that gets to so that's the first weekend and then the next weekend i I did a different pair uh we're doing the exorcist 
on Friday, October 26th, and then The Babadook on Saturday, October 27th. They're both obviously possession movies. The, the Babadook is a little bit more metaphorical in its possession, mm-hmm. but still you get uh, very sim- similar uh, imagery in both. Like uh, I, I even, I, I, I was, cause I made the trailer for, for, for this series as well. And mm-hmm. if you, if you watch the trailer, I almost played with, there's two almost identical shots of, um, what is it? Linda Blair. Uh, that's her name in the movie. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's the actress. That's the actress. That's the actor, yeah. Reagan, Reagan. Mm-hmm. She's being lifted off the bed and she's kind of doing like a crucifix with her arm. You get that almost exact same shot in the Babadook. And, uh, What's your experience with The Exorcist? Do you have, people, have both of you? Uh, I have not you, seen you, The Exorcist. You, you mentioned it in a yeah, previous podcast. Yeah, I haven't like seen it. Bigger cinema sense. I've never yeah. seen The Exorcist. Yeah. It is, and we're playing the director's cut of this film as well. It's like ten minutes longer. Okay. But there's a few uh, di- noticeable differences. Uh, one, there's the famous shot of uh, scene of Reagan doing the spider crawl up the, up the up the staircase. And in the original cut of that film, it was much slower. And I think it was because uh, there's an actual contortionist who's doing that. That's not that's not a special effect. They brought in a, a contortionist who does a spider walk up the stairs. And uh, so in the director's cut, they just they speed that up. And then there's a few different scenes that are cut from the original film. But this is uh, the director's cut was obviously the way William Friedkin wanted the film to be seen. So I'm excited to, to, to show this film and freak some people out. Cool. Wonderful. And then uh, the Babadook 2014, you both have seen the Babadook, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's funny because for this series, I haven't seen uh, the first movie in each pair, but the second movie in each pair is one of my favorite horror yeah. movies, the Cabin in the Woods and the Babadook, both of them. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. both great. And uh, Babadook is so surreal, and it's uh, it, it's it's – a couple episodes ago, I mentioned how much I like the Blair Witch Project because there's different ways you can watch it. And Babadook is that same way where you can see it as this woman is actually getting possessed by this demon that lives in a book mm-hmm. or it's a metaphor for grief. Sure. And I think a lot of people uh, fault Babadook for treating its metaphor on a very surface level. Yeah. Uh, and I can see that, but I think also a lot of horror movies try to do a metaphor but fail miserably yeah. <laughs> at trying to at making it clear to the audience what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I think that the fact that the Babadook is able to uh, operate on both a surface level and a metaphorical level and have both of those be very clear to the audience mm-hmm. is an achievement. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's a uh, it's an Australian horror movie, and it's just not 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 a. Uh, you don't really see Australian cinema. You don't think of as one of those powerhouses uh, of the industry, at least Aust- Australia. No, I guess not. Least, I mean, I mean you, Australian you, actors maybe. Yeah, so hiding their accents so sure. well, but yeah. But it's shout yeah. out. Is that Chris Hemsworth in Cabin in the Woods? He's yeah, we'd even mention we'd even mention Chris Hemsworth yeah. is oh, in Cabin in the Woods, and I think that I think they filmed that movie before Thor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. it didn't get released until after Thor. That's right. That's intentional. Smart cookies. <laughs> And then I, I, I'm, if we're going back to the movies, I didn't even mention the score of The Exorcist. That is one of my favorite cinematic yeah, scores yeah, yeah. of you all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said you got the – that was the, when I was watching the trailer for it. It's just like mm, – <laughs> Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Who did the score for that? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. I don't know off the top of my head. I want to say it wasn't John Carpenter, right? It wasn't It kind of sounds like – Because the Halloween it, theme it is, 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 is very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's my favorite horror theme. 
the Halloween theme? Mm-hmm. That is, yeah. If you know who wrote the score to The Exorcist, <laughs> send us an email at, at btmpod <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so that's it for the late night films. Hocus, so we have the family-friendly movies coming up at the state as well. And the first one is Hocus Pocus on o- o- October 21st at 1.30 p.m., free for kids 12 and under. Can I? Can any of us explain why that movie is <laughs> yeah. such a cult favorite? I was today? just gonna say it's it's a stone cold classic. But <laughs> if you tried to ask me, uh, who thought it would be acceptable to make it into a, a kids movie? Like it's such a weird premise yeah. that it's a. Uh, I think it's the kind of movie that you need to watch as a kid and have most of it just fly over your head. Yeah. Uh, in order to be enthralled by it, uh-huh. but once you go back and watch it as an adult. Uh, it's kind of so the subject is, is the subject that, 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 yeah, like you said it, it, most of the most the plot will just completely go over over your head if you're a kid because the plot is about um there's like a sacrifice <laughs> well they they it's the, this teenager and he moves from California to to Salem Massachusetts <laughs> and he thinks Halloween is stupid and they yeah. find this old how this old witch house mm-hmm. And he opens he opens a book, and then I think that when he says the spell, because he's a virgin, it brings the witches back to life. So the witches have been waiting since the 17th century for a virgin to come along and read this book. So, so that means like there's been like 50 people who have had <laughs> sex who have read the spell and been very disappointed. That's such a weird plot detail to include because it doesn't really make a difference. Like yeah. you could just have the witches come back mm-hmm. regardless. Right. And then, and then there's like the talking cat. <laughs> yeah, the talking who was trapped by the witches for some reason. Yeah, his name is um, oh, Binks. Binks. Uh, yeah, Thackeray. His Thackery name is Thackeray Binks. Binks. What a yeah. weird name. <laughs> I think what really sells that movie to a younger audience is the performances of the three witches. Yeah, who are just the the hammiest witches <laughs> ever committed to screen. It's like Kathy Najimy, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Yep. Yep. And uh, Bette Midler. I was surprised that you left Bette Midler to the end. No, yeah. She she is the queen. I was about to say Bette Davis, but But yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, it is. It is like, yeah, it's very fun to Mm rewatch. And uh, and I think it just, it it played on Disney Channel. Yeah, it's a testament to how when, you know, the channel formerly known as ABC Family or Disney Channel, when they play stuff enough times, we just end up watching it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Frank and Weenie uh, plays the next week, uh, Sunday, October twenty eighth at at one thirty, and this is Tim Burton's animated film uh, based on a nineteen eighty four short film, a live action short film. Have you uh, have you seen this one? I've seen the short film. Oh, the this Frank and Weenie came out pretty recently, right? Yeah, tw- yeah. I want to say twenty fourteen or twenty eleven. Yeah. Either yeah. way, it's within the last decade. Yeah, and mm-hmm. to me, it's his best movie the last decade mm-hmm. oh yeah um yeah i think it's pretty underrated i mean it's a great kind of boy and his dog movie mm-hmm. with oh, some okay. spooky dead trappings uh but it's really really fun um i liked it better than corpse bride um but yeah i mean it's in that same vein of his other stop motion of course uh stuff like that yeah i remember watching his like the the short movie version of it when i was in film school and thinking this is obviously tim burton learning how to make a movie and I guess I never really thought about it ever again. Mm-hmm. But it's cool that he made it into a feature length. Yeah, and he he utilizes m- many of his classic, the his, his the 
Tim Tim Burton alumni, I'll call them. Like mm-hmm. a lot of actors he's worked with a lot, like um, Martin Landau uh, is a voice, Catherine O'Hara, Winona Ryder. And then Martin Short is basically doing a, a Boris Karloff impression for the mm-hmm. whole movie. Yeah. And he's such, such a great voice actor. But... Uh, yeah, I hope uh, it, it definitely it, it hasn't sold as many as Hocus Pocus, uh, but uh, Hocus Pocus we're expecting a pretty good crowd. But I think uh, yeah, Frank and Weenie is definitely like really uh, for younger young yeah. kids. It would definitely be appropriate and totally fine. So mm-hmm. it's a great name, Frank and Weenie. <laughs> and then um, Nosferatu is coming back to the Michigan, uh, right. a, a uh, perennial uh, annual classic. Now we're not doing the live organ accompaniment. No, this year. Be- that's right. The Barton organ is still under renovation, so we got the Little Bang Theory who are coming in to do the score, uh, an, an original score of the film, and they're this uh, a trio of musicians who uh, perform on toys and tiny instruments. Pretty much. Oh, oh, okay. The little bang. The theory. little bang theory, and I, I, I it sounds. Uh, I mean, everyone loves the organ. You can't, uh, you can't beat the Barton organ. Of course. But having, but doing something original or doing something new, something that that we haven't like, the the Nosferatu is a tradition for us, and that's just mm-hmm. what it is. And it's just, I think it's a way for us kind of reinvent how we present this film, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Yeah, they're super talented. They've performed at the Michigan for other mm-hmm. events too, and. Uh, I think it'll put a really interesting spin on the movie, you know, because yeah. uh, I can't even think of something to compare this to, Well, which I th- is so cool. I immediately thought of when we showed uh, the restoration of Metropolis a couple years ago, yes. and we had uh, one of our organists and one of our projectionists mm-hmm. uh, come up with a computerized score that was played digitally through our organ. Yeah, and, that's and it a, was, that was Jared Van Eck. Yeah, shouts Shot. out to Jared Van yeah. Eck and uh, David, right? Yep. They would work mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen at the Michigan yes, Theater. Yes, I saw it twice. We, we played it twice, and I saw it both times. It was yeah, spectacular. Really cool. And it, it, <laughs> I, I love this movie. It's um, a little fun fact about this. The Count Orlock, the main character, mm-hmm. he only blinks once on screen the entire <laughs> yeah. movie. You only see him blink Spooky. once. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's Blinking. So, and then <laughs> but they're just spectacular makeup, makeup design. And there's there's an old urban legend that uh, he wasn't actually a vampire. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that must be why it was so scary. And then Rocky Horror Picture Show, Saturday, October 20th at 10 o'clock. And this is just... Uh, it's Rocky Horror. It's Rocky Horror. If you don't know what it is, then it's, you know, you just got to come see it. We have a shadow cast this year. We have is a shadow right? cast from the Leather Medusas, the who Leather, are cool. a U of M group. Very uh, cool. And then that's who was here. That's who were here last year for the screening yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And that is last year's screening. It's the only time I've seen us sell out a it movie. It was crazy. <laughs> Seventeen hundred yeah. people came to see yeah. Rocky Horror Picture Show last that's year. That's what I was gonna say. If you've seen Rocky Horror, I don't think you've seen it with like sixteen hundred <laughs> other people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it was just crazy. But everyone was so into it. Mm-hmm. The energy that night was just insane. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a film that like other movies like The Room, really needs to be seen with an audience to be properly appreciated in cultural context. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things that people do at Rocky Horror screenings are such a ingrained part of the experience that if you were to try to watch it at home, like on a DVD player, mm-hmm. it would be uh, awful. Yeah, yeah, as I did the first time, and I was like, oh, this is like <laughs> the movie that's a huge classic. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. totally. And then 
Uh, Young Frankenstein on Tuesday, October 23rd at 7.30 p.m. This is Mel Brooks's classic comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this film, I enjoyed this film so much for the production design of it. And again, as, as, mm-hmm. as I mentioned with <laughs> Cabin in the Woods, uh, it, it's so loving to what it's spoofing. Yeah. And uh, Mel Brooks, that, that's just what he did. It just like Blazing Saddles, uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights, Spaceballs. It was so loving to the to the source material so much. Uh, there's just another little fun fact about it. Uh, Mel Brooks, he discovered that the uh, electrical machinery for the lab sequences of the of the original Frankenstein film, they still existed. They're they're living in a in the guy's garage. The guy who 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 constructed that set of the original 1930 something Frankenstein, he was mm. still alive and he had all the set pieces in his garage. That's Mel, cool. Mel Brooks Mel Brooks found out he was still alive. He went to the guy's house, rented <laughs> rented the original equipment from him mm. and then gave him credit on his film because he was le- he was left uncredited on the original film. Aww. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, that's weird. So so it, it's just huh. not only is it hilarious but the 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 sets are so unique and fantastic because mm-hmm. he's used using the original pieces of yeah. the actual of the first film. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Again, just like The Cabin in the Woods, a movie <laughs> that could only be made by someone who genuinely loves the source material. Yeah. Like to go out of your way to rent the original. <laughs> yeah, and and then uh, October twenty eighth, we're showing the NT Live Frankenstein. I'm not sure if you guys are oh, aware okay. of this as well. So another pair. Another, uh, yeah, yeah. And um, this is a pre- the, the NT Live. This is presented by U of uh, UMS, and these are uh, just their live recordings of uh, stage productions from the National Theatre in London. And this is the 2011 production with Benedict Cumberbatch and Johnny Lee Miller, who uh, who swapped uh, roles each show. One played the monster, one played the doctor. Do you know which one we're playing? I believe that we are playing the one where Cumberbatch is the monster. Of okay. course. Mm-hmm. The crowd pleaser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that about wraps up uh, all that's coming out at the, at the Michigan and State. It sounds be, really packed. Busy month. Yeah, yeah, busy, busy month. In the future, I'd like to do a Euro horror series. There's always something that I wanted to do sure. this year. Yeah. But with uh, because with the new Suspiria yeah, coming up, oh, uh, and uh, old filmmakers like Dario Argento and like Mario Bava, mm-hmm. uh, their their work is just so fantastic, and I think that there's a crowd out there. So yeah, if you want to see a Euro horror series, <laughs> email me as well, or email yeah, the podcast please. as well, btmpod at gmail.com. So we did it. We got through everything coming up at the Michigan State. Ooh. Let's let's. I want to know what your experiences of seeing horror movies are at, at going just going to the theater. What are your favorite moments at the theater seeing a horror movie, um, and what type of horror movies that that you guys like. I think horror is a genre that you really, I mean, I've said this before, but you need to see it in a theater to properly appreciate it. Mm Because to have the image so huge in front of you and the sound so pulsating and loud Mm -hmm. around you and also the audience around you really adds to your own emotional state. Yeah. And it all adds up to give you an experience that you just can't really replicate unless you're extremely rich. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I like uh, when, because we talked about hereditary um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a couple episodes ago. And that was a movie that seeing it in a theater, there were there was so much going on off screen. I just like, because that, that's what we're talking about, just the way the, the way the director framed shots that maybe you see something in the corner of the room. Mm-hmm. And it was just fun seeing that with a crowd because people would start seeing it at different times in the movie. And you'd get just like right. this, this nervous chuckle. And if you're not the one that's noticing what's going on in the background and you hear people chuckling around you and you don't know what they're what they're laughing at, it gets a little, you get a little bit anxious. Yeah, and that was <laughs> my favorite part about the uh, the Paranormal Activity movie, seeing them yeah. in theaters because... Uh, the bigger the screen, it was just—it was basically like watching one of those "Look for this to change," yeah. and then it's just like kind of frantically looking around, and the energy building as everyone's kind of playing the same game, mm-hmm. um, and it's just so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that also when I saw a quiet place, that mm-hmm. that that was the movie. Yeah, where actually, that's a sorry, just, continue. <laughs> just every squeak of the chair felt like I was too loud yeah. watching that movie. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that movie up, actually. I nearly forgot about it. We were playing it at the State Theater yeah. soon after it came out, um, and people would tell me as they came out that that was a movie unlike any movie they had ever seen before because it was so dependent on the quiet of the theater mm-hmm. that any sort of background noise would just send them jumping out of their chair mm-hmm. because the whole film is based around monsters that can only uh, hear you mm-hmm. and hear you very well. Mm-hmm. And so people would n- not really try to eat their popcorn in the theater <laughs> even because <laughs> it's just too tense. Mm-hmm. Did you see A Quiet Place in theaters, Tyler? I did, yeah. I didn't love A Quiet Place, but um, but I do agree that that was my kind of favorite thing about it. Yeah. was how it used that. And it's interesting that it's, making people perhaps reconsider their popcorn eating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. anything that distracts from the screen, right, the right. experience of the movie really... Or makes you pick up on all those noises that are just going to be happening. Mm. And yeah. Yeah, it was very smartly designed. Totally. What, what, what has been your favorite... Your fav- if you could pick one moment, your favorite moment of seeing a horror movie at a theater? Do you have one? Yeah, the, yeah. the first that jumps to mind uh, is this movie Orphan... From I think 2009. Have you guys seen that? I no. haven't. No. Uh, it's like uh, it's got Vera Farmiga, Peter Sarsgaard, right. but then it's they adopt this uh, girl from Russia who <laughs> okay. um, is no longer an orphan, and if she of course has like perhaps murderous intentions, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just the craziest, funnest movie. And I saw it with a packed audience, and uh, at one point. Semi-spoiler alert, Vera Farmiga comes in and slaps the orphan. <laughs> like, Ooh. it's just a huge moment. And the audience screamed so loud in, like, <laughs> approval and cheering. Like, multiple employees just, like, ran into theater to make sure everything was okay. <laughs> it almost sounded like a fight broke out or something. Oh, no. Yeah, but it was, uh, everyone was just so into it. And that energy was, like, the whole yeah. movie. But that moment in particular, I was like, this is mm-hmm. why I'm here. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think a movie is really... Uh, fulfilled its purpose if it can get the audience on its side totally, so vociferously. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and my experience is pretty similar to that. I saw Get Out uh, yeah. opening weekend in Hollywood. And, it, you know, I'm sure everyone's seen the movie by now, but the last 20 minutes of the movie, every single person in my theater was either screaming <laughs> or on their feet or mm-hmm. both. Mm-hmm. For the entire last duration and that very final zinger at the very end, 
everyone just started applauding, like every yeah. single person. I've never heard a theater <laughs> respond so loudly to a movie. And that's when I knew that I had seen something really, really special. Yeah. Yeah, I... I have these moments in my head, but I didn't think of because that, that was also one of, one of my best experiences in, of a theater scene. Get out, yeah. Um, so that I guess that that is my uh, my honorable mention for for this moment. But also seeing I saw The Conjuring uh, when it first came out, oh, yeah. And that movie, I, I do really appreciate that movie, and I do really, I did really love that movie. But it being a, a send up of old classic horror movies like The Exorcist, mm-hmm. seeing that in theater was really special, uh, especially just when the title comes up, it has just a very bold, it's like a, it's like a, like a yellowish color, just like The Conjuring, mm-hmm. and it's just in the, in an old script that, I, that just seemed, just, I don't know, that script seemed very special to me, and the way the, the way the score boomed in that moment, it had a bit of like electronic touch to it as well sure. that was really that i thought that that was really that was really neat to see that film in uh, in the theater so before we wrap this uh this episode up we get to our movie magic moments of the week and this is the part of the episode where we we uh we recommend even more movies to you by talking about something that we've seen recently that reminded us why we love movies and television so who wants to kick this off here I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, mine is A Star is Born. Mm. Uh, and I have a moment that I think execu- or shows the uh, both the good and the bad of the theater experience, which is what I love about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the shallow song, which is the one in the trailer, uh, and this isn't giving anything away. There's just When that moment happens in the film, mm-hmm. you know, it's about an hour into it. You've maybe heard, if you're me, you've watched the trailer <laughs> four million times and like knew every beat of that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but seeing it in context... Uh, everything else just melts away, and I was like, chills, 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 and <laughs> it is just a beautiful moment that plays into so many other things and so many other parts of the story and performance and everything, and uh, and the movie itself is great, and I could talk about it for an hour, but I won't, and uh, so that moment really was, like, to me, the highlight of the movie, um, and there was, uh, <laughs> there was a guy sitting behind me when I saw the movie who had a very particular, like, odor that didn't go away, like, the entire <laughs> film, and me and my friend were just like, like we couldn't move anywhere. You know, it was like a full theater. But um, so the smell was just like there the whole time. Mm-hmm. But also what melted away during that moment was this smell. So I was, because <laughs> I was so enveloped in the moment of wow. the movie. Uh, and also, and this guy behind me, he was into the movie too. He, you know, he kept like reacting to stuff and kind of talking to the screen a little bit. Um, and I liked, you know, I just like, when you know, like, you know, it's everyone is in this together or and kind of having their own experience, but the shared experience. And it just, mm-hmm. to me, was such a good snapshot of why I love going to the theater, even if it's not like my kind of what I picture in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, this It's all part of the experience and I love it and I wouldn't have it any other way. Wow. Stars Born now playing at the State Theater. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> uh, I'm going to present a little throwback. I watched a movie recently called Duplex. It's a 2003 comedy. Directed by Danny DeVito. Okay. Yeah, uh, and it's. I a, know the title, but I'm, yeah, you it's probably saw the trailer when Jennifer you were a kid. Aniston movie? No, it stars Ben Stiller and Drew Barrymore. Oh my god! As a oh, recently so married couple who are shopping around in New York City, and they decide to move to this weird little borough called Brooklyn. Ever heard of it? <laughs> uh, and they look at this really wonderful old house that's just right in their price range. Um, this was, of course, back when you could afford property in Brooklyn, presumably. Um, <laughs> 
The only problem is that they have an upstairs tenant who seems as if she's just a sweet little old lady, but soon you find out that she's uh, the worst person who's ever been born. <laughs> uh, and it's the kind of movie that gives you a very, very slow panic attack. Okay. So that by about two thirds into the movie, you're just kind of shifting around in your seat <laughs> and you're uh, really sympathizing with these characters who are going through probably the the worst landlord tenant relationship ever put to film. But I think it's also uh, a testament to the underrated abilities of Danny DeVito as a director. Uh-huh. I'm sure everyone here has seen Matilda. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah the yeah. the childhood classic, which was also directed by Danny DeVito. But in this one, he's really able to Is flex. He in duplex as an actor. He's not in duplex, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, that would be the only way this movie could be better. Yeah. But it's really a testament to his abilities as a comedy director because mm-hmm. he's really great with the editing in the movie uh, and the physical gags and physical humor <laughs> and the personalities of all the characters and his use of wide angle lenses, which you might remember from Matilda, really exaggerate everything and give it kind of a like a circusy vibe, okay. even though it's okay. set in the city. I really recommend it. Oh it's, okay. it's, it's the kind of movie that you maybe saw the trailer for when you were a kid and thought, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think, yeah, an underrated like you job. you said about Jennifer's body, like, oh, I never <laughs> yeah. thought again. I, that's me with this. So <laughs> got to check it out. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. No, no. What were you saying? No, that was it. Oh, okay. And uh, so my movie magic moment, uh, I saw, we were playing this film uh, called The Big House at the mm. Michigan Theater. Mm-hmm. And I, I did, I uh, moderated two Q&As over the weekend, one uh, on uh, Saturday with the filmmakers and one on Sunday with author John Bacon. And, but uh, I love this movie because it, it, it's, it's this direct, direct sim- cinema documentary that just captures the spirit of Ann Arbor on game day. Mm. That's the best way. Uh, it shows like the ins and outs, how games are organized at the, at the big house to the catering that goes on, um, both in the concessions and the special events outside uh, to just the crowd on their way to the stadium. And it, it, for me, I found it, it was like strangely moving for me because the I've been going to games at the big house since I was a kid with my dad and brother. And they capture every step. There's like this pilgrimage of people in Ann Arbor on game days where they, they they start downtown at the M Den on State Street, and make their way to the stadium, mm-hmm. and they capture just every step of what that walk means and who you run into on on those walks. It's like Terrence Malick's The Big House. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's also just this it's it's this microcosm of American culture finding both the 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 capitalistic persuasion that is mm-hmm. involved. Uh, with uh, with 110,000 people, both in marketing the U of M brand, yeah. and also just showing the the there's this great part. A guy he's selling bottles of water, mm-hmm. and you see the prices on his shirts like four or five dollars for a bottle of water. And then the filmmakers will keep cutting to this drinking fountain that's that's <laughs> also inside that's free, and then that, like and the Absol Pure is giving away free cups of water at their uh-huh. hydration station all. Just with, with the booming sound of this guy's voice, <laughs> selling selling water, and it was also it was it was really eye. This film is really eye opening, in that the filmmakers discussed this film premiered in Berlin and also played in Japan. Oh wow! And to, to, to especially to German audiences, and this 
it felt very shocking that yeah, this happens in America have. because the, the, they use the, you see the scene where just there's like 110,000 people going nuts and screaming their heads off at 20-something-year-olds on the field, these like 20-something-year-old college students. And we don't necessarily understand how bizarre that is. Oh, I understand. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and especially to, to German audiences, they're seeing just like, like when it gets to third down and Michigan's on defense, the crowd starts going, they, they start like <laughs> forcing their, their arms in the air and doing what to German audiences probably looks like the Nazi salute. Oh my it's God. it's so it's so bizarre to, to to it's so or so eye-opening to see what other cultures see and are on on these traditions. Oh, so they have footage from the premiere of the film. No, no, they, they're not, no, but they just it was the filmmakers talking oh, about. Oh, okay, gotcha. The the the, 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 cool. the the directors talking about what other cultures right. saw in this movie. And it was just it was like I said. It was just it was eye opening and it was really fantastic to watch. Yeah. So I've never I've lived in Ann Arbor my whole life, but uh-huh. I've never gone to a Michigan football game. Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested to hear you talk about uh, this movie. It was something that you know, as someone who's never been a football fan, wasn't really on my radar. Mm-hmm. But I know it was made by the Umich SAC department, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with a bunch of student photographers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- thir- thirteen student directors. That's on the that's film. really amazing. Mm-hmm. And to hear that it's a really comprehensive look at not just the game itself, but everything that goes around the game, mm-hmm. yeah, makes yeah. me want to see it more. That's what I enjoyed about all this. Uh, it was really only my freshman year. I would say I was enveloped in all this, but the culture of going to the game. Yeah, there's so much going on, and yeah, and it's just that walk. You're walking with so many. So getting swept up in that kind of feeling with so many other people, but just the energy, and there's so much happening, and it's. Uh, it's very unique. And then mm-hmm. walking into the big house with 100,000 people, yeah. that is a really, there's not much that feels like that. Yeah, um, It must yeah. be like a spiritual experience. To yeah. experience, yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to experience something like that with 100,000 people, you can't help but feel a part of something yeah. giant, mm-hmm. even if it's the brand of U of M. Yeah. <laughs> So that about wraps up this episode. Uh, thank you both for coming back on. Thanks for having me. Of course. Me. Um, we're going to be back in your feed in another week. And probably what you didn't hear in this episode was the three of us talk about our top five movies because that would put us over an hour of, of recording here. It's good discussion. So so <laughs> be on your lookout for uh, for a bonus episode um, where we, again, talk about our top five favorite horror movies. Um, thank you to the Ann Arbor District District Library for letting us take over their space for so long here. Uh, you can check out their website, aadl.org. Send us an email, uh, btmpod at gmail.com. Be sure to, subscri- to subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. That's how other people are going to listen to this podcast. And uh, like I said, be on your lookout for in, in a week for a bonus episode. And, of course, our episode next week. Keep watching movies. And thank you for joining us behind the marquee. Bye, guys. <laughs> oh, bye, Tyler. <laughs> Ooh, all right. How long have we been here?
So this is not the spooktacular. Maybe, maybe not. I, I would still like to do something for a, 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 a even more spooktacular episode in a, in a couple of weeks. But well, we'll we, see. Could, we could gather stories from like the older staff about spooky things because the Michigan Theater is an old building. Yeah, that is, that is actually a good idea. There's um, uh, one of the janitors, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably know, yeah. You, yeah. If you don't know her name, you definitely know who she is. She has a couple like weird stories of <laughs> of at the at, at the Michigan uh, late at night when she's the only one in the building. Well, if that was the route you took, she'd actually be a fun guest too. She's funny. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah, I like Sarah. Sarah. That would be awesome. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that yeah, that's that sounds like something that would take a little more planning. Yeah, but getting getting Brian. Into uh, getting Brian back here might actually be a Whoa. good idea. He's got secret some good special guests. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't I tell can, the bosses. I can see him telling a good story or like elaborating so much on it, but mm-hmm. it'd be spooky. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get right into it here. I suppose. <laughs> 